Well, I've asked this a couple of times. How many of you have gotten into the, the chosen a little bit more as we're kind of going through this? I know some of the home groups are uh, utilizing that. And um, we're just taking this time to look at face-to-face encounters with Jesus. The people in the New Testament that interfaced with Jesus while he was here, and we're trying to learn deep-seated lessons and use the visual aid of the chosen to help us in that process. It's a cinemagraphic sermon series. Now, a lot of what's there is backstory and it's fictitious, but what is there is scriptural and biblical. What, what, uh, wherever there's an opportunity, they try to be as accurate as possible in that um, case. And so what we're looking at today is uh, the man who became the disciple, the man who wrote the book in the New Testament called Matthew. Matthew would have been one of those that in high school would have been least likely to become a disciple of Jesus. Okay, he would have been voted that. So I've actually called this sermon uh, From Cage to Community because the tax collectors actually were caged individuals. Not caged to keep them out of freedom, but to ca- they were caged to keep p- people from harming them. They were so hated. I mean, just think for a moment of having to do your job in a cage to protect you from the public. That's kind of where Matthew was, was coming from and where he was at. So as we talk about these, all of these individuals, I don't want you to keep them to yourselves. I want you to learn what you can about them, but look at it from the standpoint of how God wants to bring your heart, expand your heart toward others. And this day, this lesson is particularly that way because we're going to learn how um, Jesus used Matthew, this hated individual, not only to bring him to himself, but to allow him to bring others to him as well. So... um, if you've got your handout with you, go ahead and get it out. And I'm going to start, it may not be up on the board yet, but I'm going to start by reading from Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. This is probably the section that we get a, a, a great amount of introduction for Matthew. This is Matthew chapter 9, uh, verses 9 through 13. As Jesus went on from there... He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he said. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Sinners to myself. As this introduction to Matthew takes place, I want you to think about some things of how this Took place, how it worked. First of all, I want you to think with me this way. Jesus saw, the Bible says, and as they were walking along, Jesus laid his eyes, and more importantly, 
laid his heart on a man with a lot of need. He saw, as Jesus went from there, he saw a man. I'll circle that because we want to dive into that because so much of what takes place or doesn't take place is because of our lack of vision, our lack of seeing. And that's what this says. A man named Matthew was sitting at the tax collector's booth. You know, you could cross out booth and put cage. Cage. He was in a cage. And Jesus began seeing with his heart. Jesus saw Matthew with his heart, and his heart went out to him. That's why he did what he did. Jesus saw Matthew. You know, too often we forget God is watching. God is seeing. In fact, usually if you ask somebody about that, they're, they're more in the fright mode. Yeah, God's up there like Santa Claus, keeping a list and checking it twice, you know? And he's keeping a list of all the things you've done wrong, all the things that you've been imperfect in, as if God's main goal was to squash you and stomp you and wipe you out. That's how a lot of people think of God watching. No, God, God is watching with a heart that invites, with a heart that includes, with a heart that wants to redeem and save. He doesn't want uh, to emphasize your weaknesses. He wants to wipe out your weaknesses. He wants to forgive your sins and blot them out of the record. John 3, 17, for God did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might have life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. I mean, think about that for a minute. Colossians says, God isn't looking to us to harm us, but he says he wants to nail our sins to the cross and give us redemption from our sins. Jesus saw Matthew. You know, there's this uh, story about a man who broke into a house and uh, as he was burglarizing this house, this voice came from the other room that said, Jesus is watching. And uh, he got this feeling, you know, and as he uh, kept prowling a little bit, he heard this sound again, the same voice that said, Jesus is watching. And uh, pretty soon he wandered into the other room and he heard the voice again. And so he shined a light on the voice and there was a, a bird, it was a parrot saying, Jesus is watching. So the guy's like, what kind of an idiot? He says this out loud. What kind of an idiot would name his bird Jesus? And the bird says, the same idiot who named his Rottweiler Jesus named his bird Clarence. The bird wasn't Jesus. The Rottweiler was. But think about that. Jesus is watching. And so often we're in walking through life with that Jesus is watching. Oh, no. What have I done wrong? He wants us to be exactly the opposite of that. Jesus is watching. What is he inviting to? He sees us. He hears us. He knows us. And he invites us to relationship with him. See, Matthew was invisible in many ways. 
he was invisible to uh, many people. In fact, <laughs> he, he even hid in the, store, in the um, video series, he even hid his ride. <laughs> I call it, he hides his ride in uh, this respect. Check this out. Extremely wealthy. for my son's combined right now. You just toss them out? These are my property. I do with them as I wish. I pay you to drive. You sift through trash on your own time. Driving you's a bit of both now, isn't it? <laughs> if any citizen asks about my cargo, I must tell the truth. <laughs> it's the biggest pile of dung in all Capernaum. <laughs> wow, in that story, he's uh, paying someone to taxi him around. It's their, their form of Uber. You know, <laughs> and he's able to hide and uh, invisible to many. Why? Because he was so hated. Let's talk about tax collectors in that day for a minute. It's real important for us to understand the, the, the reason that tax collectors got the reputation that they got. See, the Romans brokered the tax collection um, job out to individuals who bid on it and they had to collect a certain amount to satisfy Rome. Anything they collected above that amount was their profit. And so they could decide how much the taxes were going to be. As long as they satisfied Rome's request, they got to keep the rest. So it ended up being rife with, with abuse. It ended up being filled with corruption. It ended up being uh, used by tax collectors with strong-arm tactics to extort huge amounts of money. At one point, those uh, citizens in Rome were at the 30 or 40 or even 50% mark in terms of taxes. So taxes were killing them. They were perishing because of taxes. And usually it was their own countrymen. It was Jewish people who bought these franchises, we would say, of tax collection, and they became the traitors. They became used by the Romans, but hated by the Jews. That's where tax collectors stood in New Testament, New Testament times. And so the fact that they were invisible, they wanted to stay out of the limelight because people hated them so very much. In, uh, there's a way we can put that up there. Yeah, they were hated by most. 
invisible to many and hated by most. People, um, there's people like that in our society, aren't there? You know, think about it for a minute. If somebody came along and said they were the local meth lab cooker, you go, what? Why would you do that to yourself, to your society, to our kids? What in the world? You, that's probably a, a similar equivalent. Or a, a child molester. Somebody would be in that same hated position that they would see tax collectors. And in today's society and, and life, we have a lot of people that are hated, a lot of people that are invisible, a lot of people that are hiding because of evil or challenges in their world. Here's a picture. Might have been right about Simon. Don't cross me. Maybe. Probably. Truth is, I don't have many seaworthy troops here. It might have been an accident. Dominus? Follow Simon. I want to know where he goes, with whom he meets. Tell me what they're talking about, what he's drinking. Anything. The latter may prove difficult. In fact, all of what you request, Dominus, may prove difficult. But you're a resourceful man. Goal-oriented. Huh? I'm not accepted. Where? Anywhere. I'm a tax collector. Viewed with jealousy. Hated. Everyone hates tax collectors. They're worse than the Romans. You were born Roman. I made the choice. So go in disguise, I don't care. They really were hated more than the Romans. The Romans were born Romans, but the tax collectors made the choice to betray their own people. And, so, and in this case, to, to rat out uh, his own people. He became a spy in the story. Became a spy for those that were working on the Sabbath and not collecting and not... Um, declaring their taxes at that, at that time. Everybody hates the, the tax man. Now, they use a, a kind of socially awkward individual for the, the character in this. He's actually, uh, we would say, uh, almost a savant, highly capable, maybe on the autistic scale. What's interesting is the director of The Chosen and his son have, have autism. So there's a familiarity with that. And what's interesting about it is that maybe is why Matthew had such a genius mind and could keep all of the facts, figures, and details in mind as he writes down the book of Matthew. <laughs> in a way, it does answer a lot of the questions about how that happened and why. The scripture says nothing about autistic scales, okay? <laughs> Autism scales. But it is an interesting aspect of how they've portrayed the, the character in the, in the show. So he is hated by many. In fact, his own family doesn't like him. His own family rejects him. <laughs> so he's invisible or he's hated or he's rejected, even by the people that were closest to him, those that should have been um, his, his family, even though he was in his cage. Here's one more clip about where he was at. 
Matthew, another unhappy citizen expressing his disapproval? I'll be fine. Oh, you're disgusting. Go home. I have a job to do. My father never allowed me to shirk responsibility. Well, he raised you right. You must have Roman blood. We don't speak. Jews are odd. People are. How can you not have a relationship with your own father? He says he has no son. He says he has no son. There's, in, there's cases where he and Matthew and his mother meet, Matthew and his father meet, but the relationship is broken. He's even hated by his own family. So you think about the condition he's in, and you ask yourself the question, well, then why would Jesus see him? If everybody else ignored or rejected him, why was Jesus drawn to him? Jesus had already called four disciples. From what we gather, he'd already called four fishermen to himself. Now, fishermen, they also weren't on the highest level of the societal scale, you know? They were known for being lowlifes to some degree. And Jesus is calling this ragtag group. He's calling these unseemly individuals to be part of his band of followers. And yet, this one's going outside the scope no, 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 not is this just a socially unacceptable group of people. This is a morally bankrupt individual. He's seen as the worst of the worst. In fact, there's even clash between the fishermen looking down on the tax collector. The fishermen who were used to being looked down on by the rest of the culture and society are now looking down on Matthew, the tax collector. In fact, Peter says in the story, do you know who this is? Why, what are you doing calling this man that everyone hates and no one can stand? And I think Jesus is making a statement. I don't just go after the socially unacceptable. I go after the morally bankrupt. My goal is to reach everyone. Jesus saw Matthew. I mean, let that burn into your heart for a minute as you reflect on what does that mean to you? What does that mean through you? Who is it God wants you to see? Who is it that you might be missing and overlooking because of society, because of culture, because of a mask we have to wear in our pandemic? Who is it that in our culture, God says, don't let them be invisible. Love them through and into this process. Proverbs 18.1 says, a man who becomes isolated himself seeks his own desire, and rages against all wise involvement. Now, don't let yourself, don't let anyone around you become isolated. Go after them like Jesus saw and went after this man, Matthew. What's the social cage that keeps us surrounded? What's the social cage that keeps those in our lives disconnected from other friends? Put yourself in Matthew's dad's case for a minute. Son, how's it going? You highly intelligent, A-plus person, the one who would get the uh, honors at graduation as highest grade point average. What are you going to do with your life? I'm going to be, and what have we said? I'm going to be a drug dealer. No way. What? 
Why would you waste your life and our investment and reputation with you? Why would you do that, son? You're not a son to me. What if his father came back around and encouraged him and did just what Jesus ends up doing, giving him an opportunity to look to the future, to heaven-bound life, to life in eventual ministry. You know, Matthew ends up giving his life in martyrdom for Jesus, the Christ, as he follows him. Instead of being in a cage, God's calling us to call people out of cages and into community. Maybe some of us know of people that are in a cage of disappointment. Maybe they're disappointment from their family. Maybe they've been on a road that leads to many dead ends and they're just tired and the cage is surrounding them. Maybe there's a cage of hurt. I know so many people that are hurt so deeply that they just can't get over it. So often we live in a cage of disappointment or a dual cage of dual life. God's calling us outside of that. So Jesus saw Matthew. Let's go to the next one. Jesus didn't just see him. He beckoned him. He called him. He called him to himself. In fact, that's the first thing. (laughs) On hearing this, he says, I am the doctor and I haven't come for the well. I've come for the sick. I've come for those who know they need a doctor. Not those who think they don't need a doctor. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. One version says, those who know they're sick. You know, that's the key thing there. I have not come to call, circle that word, call the righteous. That's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is always calling. He's saying, come to me, you who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, come to me, come to me. He's beckoning and he's calling. He doesn't just see, he calls. And he calls people to himself. Jesus sees, Jesus attracts, and Jesus calls. That's why he says, come to me. You'll find healing in Jesus. You will find love. You will find forgiveness. He'll turn you into someone you didn't ever expect. So I'm going to ask you, how is your relationship? Are you hearing the Lord call you? Not to some external relationship of, of religiosity, keeping the rules, but to a relationship of righteousness. about children next week. How did you get up there? We climbed the ladder. It's easy. He's a germaphobe. Thank you. Uh, where are your parents? Oh, I see, okay. 
Okay, what? The man speaking? Is called... Jesus of Nazareth. We know him. This is how God clothes the ground. To listen. Do you know who you are talking Did to? You know? Did you hear his disrespect? Recorder? We're out of our element. We have to find out who is teaching. Forget this crowd. All the more reason to be cautious. Rabbi. It's her. She's truly restored. I only heard your report, not seen her for myself. She's a different person. you did to the leopard on the road this morning. My friend has been paralyzed since childhood. He has no hope but you. Please, do for him what you did for the leopard. on earth to forgive sins.
imagine Matthew locking eyes with the one who has just forgiven someone's sin and raised them up from a bed of paralyzation that had started when they were born, that they'd never been able to walk. And then Jesus forgives his sins, and Matthew is observing, he's watching, he's seeing Jesus, his power, his grace, his reach, his love. And he is drawn to Jesus so that when Jesus does say, follow me, he is following the forgiver. He is following the savior, the master, the leader. (laughs) He gets close enough to see uh, the fishing miracle. He gets close enough to see what Jesus is capable of and that draws him to Jesus. When Jesus calls Matthew out, Matthew is called to himself. Jesus says, come follow me. And this is the, uh, Jesus saw their faith. He said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. That's really what drew Matthew. Not just the miracles of impossible, you know, nature (laughs) against nature. Instead, it was the deep desire to be forgiven, which went right along with those miracles. He began to see the miraculous work of Christ and the powerful forgiveness that comes through Jesus. Healing, love, forgiveness, and giving. He was called. And more than anything, I think Matthew, who saw himself invisible to society, hated by society, rejected by society, he saw the potential for a change in his life, a change for the better a change in direction and motivation. So he responds to the Lord's call. When it says, um, simply follow, Jesus called him to himself and he called him to simply follow him. You and I need to be reminded that that's what it's about. It's not about keeping religious activities Going. It's not about going to church. It's not about just reading your Bible. Those are great opportunities to draw close to the Lord, but those in and of themselves are not what he calls us to. He calls us to an intimate relationship with him. How is your love life with Jesus? How, I hate to use the word exactly, but romantic. Are you and the Lord connected? Does your heart and his heart connect at a deep level, because that's what he's calling you to. He's not calling you to a bunch of activities. He's not calling you to fill your calendar and your schedule with certain things. Those certain things may help in the process, but that's not the goal. The goal is to surrender to the man, surrender to the Lord, surrender to the person that is calling you out and simply to follow. Here's the final clip. For today. Besides, what else are you going to do with a mind like yours? There's his cage. Matthew. Matthew, son of Alphaeus, 
Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy has done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to... What are you doing? Where do you think you're going, guys? Let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. Yes. you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. I'm glad we passed by your booth today, Matthew. Yes. Shall we? We have a celebration to prepare for. You will regret this, Matthew. What's the tablet for? I grabbed it without thinking. Can put it back? No, no, keep it. You may yet find use for it. You might come in handy. <laughs> Where are we going? A dinner party. I'm not welcome at dinner parties. Well, that's not going to be a problem tonight. You're the host. <laughs> yeah, let's give a hand for that, right? Yeah. Jesus sees him, and Jesus calls him. And, and then I want you to think of this third thing. <laughs> you just sat there at the end. Jesus promotes him. Jesus promotes him. He gets uh, promoted to worker in the kingdom. He gets called to call others. He gets called to be used by Jesus to bring other tax collectors, other sinners, other publicans, those that were outside the normal realm. And God uses Matthew for that. While Jesus was having dinner with Matthew at his house, look what happens. Now, by, by the way, his name is Levi to the Jews, Matthew to the Gentiles. He, he, a lot of people had two names back then. He used his Jewish name, Levi, with the, the Jewish people. And so it's the same person. Levi and Matthew are the same person. In this particular text, it says Levi's house. And many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. You catch that? Now, back then, eating a meal together, and even in some places today, eating a meal together with somebody showed a, a certain level of acceptance, a certain level of friendship, a certain re- a level of relationship. You sat down with them. You sat down with her, him. That's what he's getting. He says, they were having a meal with the disciples, for there were many who followed him. Many what? Many sinners, many tax collectors. See, God wanted to use this man, Matthew, not just to reach him. He did want to use him to reach him, but he wanted him to reach others, to reach others through him, 
God promoted this unlikely individual, not just to be one of his disciples, but to be a disciple through whom the gospel, the love of Jesus, the forgiveness of sins would flow, would follow. That's what the whole story is about. He went from cage to community to cage breaker (laughs) to community builder. God ends up using him as a part of the kingdom fabric that's going to be known even in 2020 today, in 2021, from now on. God used Matthew. When the teachers of the law saw that the Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Jesus put it into perspective. I have come to call the, not just the righteous or those that think they're righteous, but I have come to call those who already know they have a need, that they are sinners. Matthew's strategy, jot this down. First of all, he filled the lobby. He filled the party with sick people. Okay? He filled the lobby with sick people, people who realized they needed a doctor. I think of it as the lobby of a hospital. You know, the church is not a hothouse for the righteous. It's a hospital for the sinners. That's what we are. We're here to help people to health and help people to wholeness and watch God work in that regard. If all people, if all the people that you love already love Jesus, you don't love enough people. Okay? Now, Matthew, he's, he's in kind of a, a unique situation. And people who just become believers often have a ton of non-Christian friends. The further you are in Christ, often the less non-Christian friends that you have, people who don't yet love Jesus. But I want to challenge you. I want to challenge all of us. Say, if you don't love people who don't love Jesus, you don't love enough people yet, okay? He wants you to build. Now, we've, we've come to believe that, um, well, there's verses in the Bible that sometimes we misunderstand, like um, bad company corrupts good morals. So you should only hang out with good people. Well, that's really not biblical, Okay? Don't let bad company corrupt you. But according to the Apostle Paul, we should be hanging out with those who are in need. In fact, he said, I told you not to associate with the sexually immoral. I meant in the church. I meant in the church. I didn't mean outside the church. Otherwise, you'd have to check out of the world. He says, I want you to develop relationships with all kinds of sinners. But don't hang out with a brother who's pretending to be a brother when he's really not devoted to Christ. So part of it is our misunderstanding of scriptures like that. In fact, that's where the Pharisees were. In fact, I'll put this one down second. He refused to be a Pharisee. See, that would be the wrong thing for him to do is to become like those who are criticizing him and to become a Pharisee. He doesn't call us out of unrighteousness to Pharisaicism. He calls us out of unrighteousness to Christ-likeness, to be like Jesus, to let his love flow from him to us. 
bad company corrupts good character. Um, the, the, the new uh, living translation, you know, why does your master eat with these lowlifes? It says, why does your teacher eat with such scum? And that puts it real blunt, doesn't it? See, the Pharisees were so eager to stay pure, they believed that if they even got around somebody that wasn't clean, that they took on their uncleanness. And that is not New Testament Christianity. Just the opposite is the case. Jesus says, I'm eating with them so that I can bring forgiveness to them. I'm eating with them so that my love can rub off on them. I'm eating with them so that the, the Father's love can go from me to them. And that's what he wants from us. That's what he's eager to do and to grow in that. Don't let, First John 2, 15, don't love the world or the things in the world for the love of the Father is not in them. He doesn't say don't love people in the world. We're to love the people in the world. We don't love the world and the things in the world, but we love the people who are captured by their love for the world. And that's where we, we, we invest ourselves. All the Pharisees could think about, in G, and they're watching Jesus from afar, all they could think about was how dirty Jesus and his disciples were getting. And Jesus is in the room, all giddy, thinking how clean these guys are all going to be once they come to know him. You know, what a difference in perspective. The very thing we said, Jesus saw, Jesus called, and Jesus promoted. Jesus uh, turned this tax collector into a disciple. Let me put this down too. He led them, and him particularly, to more than a decision. Okay, too often in our Christianity today, we have seen following Jesus as a decision. And we have to make a decision. But oh, that we would leave it at that is so pathetic. What we're talking about is a relationship, not a decision. Now, what if somebody said, the key to a good marriage is the wedding day. All you need is a wedding day. Doesn't matter what you do after that. What? Some people treat their relationship with Christ that way. Yeah, I made a decision back in 1977. I'm a Christian now. But wait, wait, that, that's, that's like the wedding day. We're talking about a marriage relationship, a love relationship with the Lord. Where are you at with him today? How are you in love with him today? Where is your heart and devotion today? God led him to more than a decision. Matthew had these lost friends. Matthew had these um, fellow tax collectors. And we want to see ourselves in that same category. Jesus loved to, uh, Jesus loved to party. He pulled the people to himself in this party. He got criticized for it, but he led people to him. God's calling you and he's calling me to be party throwers. He's calling us to bring people together with us and with the Lord. He wants us all to have a Luke chapter five <laughs> Levi party. He wants us to all develop relationships with those who yet, to, yet have uh, to believe, who yet have to trust him and be forgiven. Are you willing to see people 
to see people the way Jesus saw Matthew? Are you willing to call people and invite people to relationship with the Lord? Are you willing to watch those people and enable those people and disciple those people to become channels of God's blessing? Let's pray about it. Heavenly Father, thank you for your call through Matthew. Thank you for showing us that there's nobody outside of your precious love. Thank you for showing us that everyone needs to be called, needs to be reached, needs to be loved and forgiven. Lord, as you work in our own lives, we want to thank you for seeing us, for calling us, promoting us. But we ask that that enabling would go beyond us to many, many others. Would you make us like Matthew, reaching many for you. Thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you for today, in Jesus' name.